When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? I guess first, just talking about the transition, how it's how it's how it's going smoothly, not smoothly. Is it just a whirlwind? How would you describe it? Yeah, Justin, it's been terrific, and, and I think a big reason why it's been such a great transition is the, the Auburn people are just been great. Uh, the leadership, Dr. Roberts, all the, all the way down the line, it's just everyone has been so welcoming and uh, so hospitable, and uh, it's just been a, a really nice transition. And you were at Mississippi State for so long. Why leave? Why leave there? <laughs> this is a good opportunity, but why, why make the change? Yeah, you know, I, Mississippi State was terrific. I'm, I'm an alum. I enjoyed my time there. It'll always be part of my soul. Uh, I just felt like this was an incredible opportunity uh, for, for so many different reasons. You know, I grew up in the state of Alabama. I grew up in the middle of the Auburn-Alabama rivalry. Uh, I, it's just something that I, I really wanted to, to be a part of. So uh, even though I will always treasure that time at Mississippi State, this was something that I just couldn't pass up it's just too good an opportunity to 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 be in a, a place that I've always admired from a distance uh, take me back to the hiring process if you if you can in terms of you know how quickly did things transpire from from first time there's interest on on either side to actually being hired was it quick did it was it was it more you know was it more you know the way I remember it, it, was, it was a pretty quick process yeah. um, I know that uh, there was a you know, obviously, uh, I, I can't speak to the search part of it because I, I don't know who the, who the other uh, folks were. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that Dr. Roberts did a tremendous job in asking all the right questions and, um, you know, being very thorough in the search and very thoughtful. And uh, I, I, I could tell he's someone, he was someone who really cared about Auburn and somebody who'd done a, a lot of homework on me somebody who was thoroughly invested in, in Auburn University. Did you see it coming? I mean, first call or however that works, the first time you hear Auburn's interested in me, what's, what's your reaction? Well, obviously that's a pretty good feeling to have to know that, that anybody is interested in you, but, you know, especially Auburn. I mean, Auburn is um, – a, a powerful entity uh, for so many different reasons, you know. And I, I learned more about more about Auburn as I'm here. I just heard the other day that we just went over the 48,000 applicant mark yeah, for the, the freshman class yeah. coming in 2023. That, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, I think that speaks to how special this place is. I mean, it's it's not that it ever was, but it's no longer just a regional school. Although it's a school that that understands that it's here to serve the people of the state of Alabama, but so many people from across the landscape of this country want to be a, a part of this Auburn spirit. Um, 
What do you want to get accomplished here? I mean, is that is it too early to to to, to talk about those things specifics? But you know, what what are some things that you want to accomplish here? I would imagine your goals here are different maybe than when you started at Mississippi State. Um, but what do you want to get done here? Yeah, we want to compete for and, and win championships. You know, Auburn University's won 22 national championships, and we want that to continue. Uh, we want to be, you know, uh, at, the, at the top of a highly competitive Southeastern Conference, and I think we can do that in every single sport. Um, at one point or another, Auburn University has been dominant in almost every sport here at Auburn University. So um, I, I think... There, there are some things that, that we can done, do. Certainly, uh, there are great opportunities here. Uh, we're not where we want to be, but um, I really like the, the coaches that we that I inherited, uh, or I guess they inherited me. Uh, I, I really like our student athletes. Uh, I love our support staff. I feel like uh, I, I feel like we can be very, very successful here. And quite frankly, we have been successful. I mean, you look at so many sports. Volleyball coming off one of the great seasons that they've ever had here, and it's only going to get better. The golf programs here at Auburn, the tennis programs flourishing on both sides, men's and women's. Um, obviously, what, what Coach Pearl has done here, you know, we've had our moments in softball. Uh, I think we've been to NCAA tournaments in softball 10 years in a row. Mickey's done a great job here, but we've had College World Series moments in softball. Butch Thompson's been to the, the World Series two out of the last three years that there's been a baseball season, um, just, you know, so much, so many positive things. And even within the last 10 years, you look back and see what Auburn has had the potential to do in the sport of football. Um, so I think we have exciting times ahead. Uh, and I, I guess more than anything, we're going to strive for a consistency of, uh, of championships here at Auburn. One of the things I remember you talking about when you know your introductory press conference was just how much you've learned about how I think you were talking about just coming in. I think it was the, the contrast with with Rich McGlynn in terms of um, being more open to ideas versus you know maybe in the past you'd have been like this is how we're doing it because it's you know you're younger now you're more wise or whatever it is. So how do you think that's going to shape now your tenure here in terms of what you can get accomplished? Do you think it's just going to be a completely different? Um, I guess, journey than maybe you were at Mississippi State because you think you're a different person. I'm just curious how this run and maybe your first run at State could be very different for you. Well, I felt very good about what we accomplished at, at Mississippi State. Obviously, right. we won a national championship. We never had a national championship. Um, and I, I feel like Mississippi State, we left Mississippi State in very good hands. Uh, I think the group of coaches collectively are, are outstanding. You know, last year alone, last fall, um, uh, soccer held, you know, had a regional, hosted a regional and won a, a game in the NCAA tournament, never been done before. Um, softball hosted a super regional for the first time ever. So I think there's some really, really positive things happening there as well. And I, I really enjoyed that opportunity. Um, no matter where you go in this league, um, you have challenges. And Auburn's challenges are different than Mississippi State's. But um, I love that. I love the challenges. Uh, I love the challenges that we have here at Auburn. Um, but when you look at the history of Auburn and you look at the athletes who literally have transformed their sport, yeah. I mean, that's, you can't walk away from that. You can't ignore that. It's, it's a pretty powerful thing. Right outside my door here, I mean, you have Ruthie Bolton and you have Bo Jackson and you have Charles Barkley and you have Sunni, you know, who's here now. We're so privileged to have her at Auburn. 
um, uh, among others. Uh, Tim Hudson's out there, um, another potential Hall of Famer in the sport of baseball. And by the way, Auburn has the only Hall of Famer in SEC history in, in, in the sport of baseball. So, um, yeah, I, I, there's just such a great tradition here, great history. And, but I, I think there's more out there. I think we can achieve, achieve a lot more. One of the things that we get asked a lot from, from the fans or subscribers and stuff is it's all about facilities. And I'm sure that that's, I'm sure that you've had a million things to try to get your head around in the first few months. And I don't know if you've had an opportunity to evaluate or sit in on meetings on facility renovations or, or any kind of master plan. The previous AD at one point talked about presenting you know, maybe some kind of master plan as far as facilities, but we never really saw that. Where do you think that stands and you know, what's maybe on the agenda in terms of maybe three to five renovation projects or facility projects that, that might be on the horizon? Specifically, Jordan Air, which we get asked about a lot. I think 20 years ago, it was phenomenal and it's still nice, but there hadn't been a lot other than the scoreboard and you know, recruiting lounge, stuff like that, but for the people. Um, specifically Jordan-Hare, any, any renovation plans? Yeah, Justin, that's certainly a priority. Um, and I'll just say, I've been asked a lot about the North End Zone, uh, <laughs> especially, you know, the, the, the traditional old school board that's there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, there, there are some changes we want to make. There are some upgrades we want to make. But yeah. we're living in a new landscape right now. Uh, when you consider, you know, name, image, and likeness, and you know, the priorities of coaches, quite frankly, the priorities of the student athletes are coming to your institution. Um, you, know, I, you know, how nice is my locker? How nice is my locker room? How, how nice is my, my indoor facility? Or what kind of name, image, and likeness deal can I have? I, I think some thoughts have changed in that area. Maybe not everyone, and maybe it's a little bit of both, but certainly we can recognize the fact that it, things have changed. And it's... Uh, there's only a finite uh, uh, amount of dollars out there for every institution. So you have to balance now in this new landscape of name, image, and likeness versus facilities. And in some respects, Justin, I think our, our coaches here at Auburn are going to have to make some tough decisions about their programs. Uh, because those same donors who might want to give toward a facility might be the same donor who wants to give to a collective that, that might have an interest in a student athlete or two that, that might change the nature of that program. So obviously you can't use that in the recruiting process. But once a student athlete is here at Auburn or any institution, it becomes a factor and it becomes a factor quickly. And I think a lot of student athletes, prospective student athletes, are looking at track records saying, here's what they've done in the past with these athletes, with collectives and with name, image, and likeness opportunities. I, I, I think it's changed a little bit in terms of the facilities for a, a lot of student athletes. That's a fair point. Yeah, and we get and we've had yeah the question about the scoreboard is a popular one. Yes. Uh, so there is so there is thought and a and at least some kind of plan that a change needs to be made there. Uh, I, I don't think anybody at Auburn would disagree with the yeah. fact that um, some upgrades in the north end zone are, are necessary. Yeah. And I will also say that. Some discussions have been made. We're going over a 60-day uh, budget cycle. Our budget turns over on July 1. Um, and because I'm new and because administratively we've, we've shuffled the deck a little bit, we have to make some, some real decisions about um, where our resources are going to be best used. So we'll, we'll discuss um, the possibilities of what will happen in the, in the north end zone. But, of course, it all starts with Dr. Roberts what his priority is, what our board's priority is, 
and we'll all work together because we have to be in alignment, Justin. We all have to be pulling the same rope in the same direction and make sure that, that we do what's best for our student athletes, our fans, um, the faculty and staff at Auburn University and, and, and represent this in the right way. You mentioned um, you know, NIL. Um, and I, I think that's, to me, one of the big challenges right now is, you know, how do you align with On to Victory, the collective, in terms of you, you, you both, obviously, athletics needs to raise money, On to Victory needs to raise money. How do you work together to make sure that you're both, the people are donating both ways and, and you're both getting what you need from, in terms of a support standpoint, or, or is it just kind of, they do their thing, you do your thing, or is there some alignment you're trying to make sure that help each other out? How, just how is that relationship working? Right well, now? The, the, the folks on, on Victory and the board, their absolute first priority is doing it the right way, making sure we follow not only our state laws, um, following NCAA rules, and make sure we're in constant contact, not only with the NCAA, but with, but with the Southeastern Conference as well, to make sure we're doing it the right way. Um, it, within this new landscape, when you approach a donor, an alum, alumni, there are many who say, I just don't have an interest in a collective of any kind, but I do want to help with the facility. So in many cases, the, the, the donor makes that decision for you. Um, you know, when, when you're giving money to a collective, you're not going to get your name on a building. You're not going to, um, uh, you're not going to give to something specifically that's going to be standing 50 years from now. It's a different mentality, different process. Um, I, I just feel so privileged to be the place where that many people care about our student athletes. Um, I, I, am, I am a big believer that student athletes deserve opportunities to, to make, to, to have resources based on their personal name, image, and likeness. I do think this thing has wandered off to the edge a little bit. And I don't think anybody in our league or any, any Power 5 athletic director would disagree with that. Um, I just, I think we need guardrails. I think we, might, we need a much more simple approach. Um, our student athletes absolutely need and deserve um, opportunities with the name and likeness, but I, I'm just, uh, the free agency that exists at this point in time, um, especially within the, the transfer portal, is not what anybody wanted or desired and you know I one of the things I've mentioned several times I've talked to student athletes who have said hey this is our right this is our opportunity and I don't disagree with that what I don't think a lot of student athletes realize in the Southeastern Conference level is every time uh, a young man or young woman transfers to another SEC school or any school they might be taking away somebody else's opportunity and here's what I mean if a common recruiting class in the sport of football, just as an example, has 25, 26, 27 recruits in it, and most of them are high school kids, and the trend continues to go in the direction that it is right now, maybe an SEC school average is 15 or 14 high school um, kids, prospective student athletes that sign with that school. You, you see where I'm going with this. You multiply that times 16 schools in our league, that, that's a lot of kids. That's 160 plus kids losing the opportunity to play in the Southeastern Conference. So even though an athlete might say to me, hey, I want this opportunity provided to me, it's a little bit of a careful what you wish for because well, that, the person who wants to transfer is already in college, but we also have to protect the kids who aren't in college yet as well, those prospective student athletes. So there's got to be some balance 
to what's going on because I, I, I want those same high school kids who are now in Division I schools or any school, I, I want those same incoming high school kids to have the same opportunities. And, and that's something we really need to discuss and, and have an established balance with. You mentioned the 16 schools. A lot of talk the last, I guess the last week it came out that Oklahoma and Texas will be in, I guess, next year. Um, it, it appears. Do, do you have any say, or what's your role, I guess, in terms of deciding permanent permanent opponents for Auburn football? We think Georgia, we think Alabama, right? But there could be a third opponent. Like, what's your role? Do you think in, in determining that, and also how do you find equity in that when when you're Auburn and you're going? So we get Georgia and Alabama every year in terms of finding that third opponent. Like, what's going to be your role in kind of the football scheduling? I well, guess? first of all. Um, None of the athletic directors in that room get to decide if there are three permanents who they're going to get to play. Okay. Um, n- nobody will make that decision. Our commissioner, along with his staff, will, will make those decisions along with the president. Um, but, but certainly, there's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of input that takes place. Um, <coughs> our rivalry with Alabama and our rivalry with Georgia are great rivalries, two of the great rivalries in all of college football. We recognize that. Who's the third school? Don't know. Um, have an inkling, but not 100% sure. That's if we play a nine-game schedule. Sure. Now, if we stay with an eight-game schedule, yeah, that, that really changes some things as well. If we go to a nine-game schedule, you know, currently we, we already have our non-conference filled for the next several years, so we would have to make some alterations. So it's a domino effect when you do something like this. One thing leads to the next and goes to the next. So. But I think it's a great opportunity for our league. I think it's a great opportunity for Texas and Oklahoma, and we look forward to, to those guys joining the league. Um, take me back to when, I guess, the day you're announced. Have you ever been a part of a situation where you know, you're announced, or I guess what was the dynamic like that day? You're announced hours after they make a football coaching change. I mean, that was a, it was a really wild day, and you know, you're announced hours after that, and you immediately step into a role where it's, hire a football coach. That's your, that's your only job. I mean, have you experienced anything like that? And just what was that like coming in just hours after that change and now you've got to make a hire? Well, Justin, I think this is where your coaching background really takes over because when you take over a new program, uh, you immediately have to the, start the evaluation and recruiting. And, and like, like being a coach, uh, when you're an athletic director, it's an evaluation process immediately. Um, I've had the great fortune when I was coaching of being at places that attract quality student athletes um, and Auburn uh, same way uh, attracted some really really good candidates for a football position um, so yes um, the, the minute I had a conversation uh, with Dr. Roberts about this position it was running through my head that there would be a possibility uh, that you have to hire a new football coach, and so your wheels start start turning. Um. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. But the truth of the matter is every athletic director in the Southeastern Conference 
is constantly monitoring the landscape of every coach in every different area. You know, who's going to be my next football coach? Who's going to be my next baseball coach? Because you just don't know. Even at Mississippi State, the great tragedy of Coach Leach passing, you know, you, you have to be prepared for those moments, and Mississippi State was, and I think they made a, a great hire. But you always have to be thinking in those terms. So even though I knew it was something I was going to have to do at Auburn, um, I felt like we were, we were fairly, we were really prepared for that opportunity. Was that part of the initial discussions before you got the job in terms of you know conversations with, with Dr. Roberts where it was, hey, we might have to make a change if we do. What do you think that's going to look like? You know, from a broad view, was that was that part of the discussions with, with you and Roberts before you even got the job? Like, hey, what, what's your plan here? There, there were definite discussions like that. Nothing definite right. because nothing had been done. Right. But you're playing a lot of what ifs. And when you're a really good president at a – incredible institution like Auburn, you are charged with all of the what ifs, not just your football coach, yeah. but every part of that university. What if? Um, you know, what if you know you look at something like COVID. I mean there's so many what ifs that you have to be prepared for. So um, yes, we, we had some what if discussions uh, about personnel decisions. Um, you make the hire of you freeze and I don't want to Relitigate a lot of the whys and backlash and things like that, right? So we're we're kind of where, where we are now. Um, but you know that you know your success and the football coach's success, or I mean, you could do a million other things right. If football doesn't go well, you're going to be judged in large part because of Hugh Freeze and the football program. So how I guess how comfortable are you with that, knowing that with the hiring of Hugh Freeze and being really linked to the success of whatever he does is going to be. You know, kind of linked to how people view your success? Yeah, certainly. Well, in, in terms of football, Hugh checked every box. He's a guy who obviously coached in this league and had success in this league. He had recruited at a high level. His connectivity to high school coaches in the region was pretty powerful. When you go through your checklist, Hugh uh, checked so many boxes. But the, the one thing that I, I felt really strongly is that one of the many things I felt strongly about is Hugh was so open and honest. Hey, here are some missteps that I took. Here are some mistakes that I made in my life. Here's how I've worked to fix them. So many times when you go through an interview process, maybe the individual that you're interviewing is saying, yeah, I, I don't have any missteps. I don't have any issues. I've, I've never done anything wrong in my entire life. I've never, never made a mistake. Well, you want to avoid that scenario at all costs because all of us make mistakes all of us and, and for us to cast stones at folks who, who have made mistakes hey arguably the greatest basketball coach in auburn history uh, makes mistakes and i think auburn auburn is, is the benefactor or of somebody who had learned from their mistakes and has taken auburn basketball to a championship level um of course i think coach freeze had some missteps along the the way in his career but I also think he was so transparent and talked about the educational components, not only with himself, but with his family, with his wife, and the things that he had done. You're never going to fix every part of, of your life, but you can be a lifelong learner. One, one of the things I found interesting, too, about Coach Freeze is his transparency with his own players. He, here are the mistakes that I have made in my life, and I want to help you, not only as a football player, but as a person off the field. I, I want to make sure you get where you need to go, and of all of the coaches I've ever been interviewed, he, he might have been the best 
I had ever talked to. And again, we're talking about a link here. We're not talking about one or two conversations. We're talking about many, many conversations, not only with Coach Freeze, not only with Jill Freeze, but I'm talking about uh, women basketball players who played for him in high school. I'm, I'm talking about when, when somebody says something over here and 500 miles away, somebody completely different who knew Coach Freeze in a different phase of his coaching career, when those two descriptions match each other of somebody who was very important uh, to their development as a person and a, a student athlete, then you know you're on the right track. And certainly we feel like Coach, we're very comfortable that Coach Freeze is going to lead this football program and do things the right way. It's probably a hard question to ask or answer, but if, if he's not as transparent as he was, let's say he was, you know, maybe tried to excuse some of it versus just owning it, do you think the search goes in a, a different direction? You know, I don't know. That's a great question, Justin. Um, but I will say I, I was heavily influenced by the fact that he was so transparent. And everything that Coach Freeze told us about his past was 100% accurate to what we found out. There were no discrepancies between what Coach Freeze said and what anybody else said. The, the other thing, too, is when you have the opportunity to speak to people who have worked very closely with Coach Freeze, and you're able to get the facts, the the actual real things that happen, you, you have a level of comfort. You're not just guessing. You're asking real questions to real people. Um, I, I felt very, very confident in the way we went about it. When you see some, when you see obviously some some criticism uh, after it's hard, do you, how, how much do you wish you could just how much do you wish you could just call them all into the office and just show them what you looked at um, when you see some of the criticism? Of course, you know, Hughes come out and said, hey, just give me an opportunity. Just listen to me, watch my actions, judge me from that, which I, which I think is fair. Um, but how much do you see that? You just wish you could give them everything you saw, but, but you can't. So it's, it really is just, a, okay, from here on, watch actions and watch words. You can't, you can't show them everything you saw. They just got to they got to trust you, but I would imagine yeah, it's tough. I, I can't recreate our process for, yeah. for every single fan or yeah. every single person who had that question. I certainly understand the fact that people care, yeah. um, but John Cohen didn't just roll out of bed and say, hey, how about you freeze today? You know, John Cohen and, and, and some others who, who helped uh, spent a great deal of time, effort, and energy making sure that, that we got all the answers to all the questions that, that we wanted. Um, I mean, al almost to a ridiculous degree, if, if you really were in the room with us. So, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, again, I feel very comfortable with where we are. I feel very comfortable with the path we're taking right now um, and the, the, the development of this, these student-athletes in football. Um, talk about basketball and Bruce Pearl a little bit. Um, what are your impressions of him? I think you had a previous relationship, or at least had an acquaintance with him sure. before. Um, now that you've been on campus and you see up close and personal his impact on on just the students, the university, the reach. What's your What's your take on on just his, I guess, uh, his you know relationship to, to Auburn University and what it does for the the school as a whole, not just basketball. Well, one of the things I admire about Bruce the most are, is the same thing that people criticize about Coach Pearl, which is they think his energy, his spirit, his his passion is all overblown and it's an, an act. 
Um, what I know, having been here at Auburn for three months, is that is Bruce Pearl 24 hours a day. There's no acting. That's who Bruce Pearl is. And that's why he's had more wins in the last five years than anybody in the Southeastern Conference. The kids know, his student athletes know how much he cares about them. He's also very demanding. There will come a time where they, they will come back to Coach Pearl, and I'm sure this has happened in his career a lot, and they're 30 years old, 35 years old, and they'll say, Coach, thank you for pushing me. You know, 18 to 22 year olds don't like being pushed. They turn 30 one day and they go, wow, I get it. Thank you for pushing me. Because the main purpose of a, of a coach, what the great ones can do, are get young people to do things they wouldn't normally do on their own. And that's not fun. You're standing underneath a squat rack in a weight room, that's not fun. When you're running on a basketball court to get in shape, it's not fun. You know, when you're doing all the things they do through the strength and conditioning, it's not fun. Going to tutors, not fun. But Bruce is one of those people who is incredibly demanding because he knows what's next. He's trying to prepare these young people for life. And I, I could say that about all of our coaches here at Auburn. He's just one of the most visible coaches. And again, his, his passion, his energy, and his, his love for Auburn is, is quite remarkable. It's just something you don't see uh, in a corporate world of coaching across the landscape of the country right now. He's not a corporate coach. He is Auburn, and he will do almost anything for anybody. You know, I was watching the other day with some great admiration. We had a tough loss to a very good Alabama team. And where's Bruce? Where is he? Well, he's speaking to a group of, of our fans, and he's talking to them about what we have to do and how we're going to get better and, and how he needs to do this or, or that, taking total responsibility for his program. Again, with the same passion and energy. And this is not a young guy. So I, I just, I couldn't be more thrilled to work with a guy like Bruce Pearl every single day. Bruce is one of those guys that I really wanted to work with. He, he's one of the many reasons I wanted to be part of the Auburn Athletic Department. What were, what were your initial conversations with, with him like? You know, really good. I, I, you know, when you have meetings in Destin yeah. and, you know, when Auburn would come play in Starkville or when we play, you know, I, I, I'd get the hug from Bruce, you know, and he's sweating and he's got it all over my coat and tie and um, just a wonderful sense of humor. Again, I keep saying the same word, just a wonderful spirit and passion about him, glass half full. Um, I think most people just feel better about life after they talk to Bruce Pearl, and I certainly, I certainly uh, felt that way as well. What, what's your understanding of, of uh, I know he wants a new practice facility. That, I think it was approved, but it's now it's kind of, I think Bruce has also talked about maybe shifting some of the focus, kind of like what you talked about, hey, let's get NIL situated maybe before we, so what's your understanding maybe of where that practice facility stands in terms of, when it might start, just kind of your understanding of that facility. Well, I think our coaches, again, we're living in a time now where our coaches are going to have to make some decisions about their programs. You know, what do they want? Do they, do they want their student-athletes to have, the, you know, some of the best name, image, and likeness opportunities? Um, that primarily comes from people around your community, your university community. Um, do you want those opportunities? Because it's, there's a fixed amount of resources out there. So they're either going to go some to facilities and some to NIL or uh, 
or a lot more to one area or a lot more to another, um, then, then you have the idea or the thoughts about donors who have no interest. There, there are donors and fans who have no interest in name, image, and likeness. I get that. Um, you know, if you're giving to a collective, you're not going to have your name on a building. You're, you're not going to build a structure that's going to be there for 50 to 100 years. What you are giving is to student athletes who in many cases need support. So it's, it's uh, and they've earned that support, right? So um, it's, it's, it's a difficult world we live in right now because you, you want to do what's best for every one of these student athletes. Um, and all of these 18 and 20 year olds have different ideas about what's best for them. And we have to work within that framework. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough balance. I mean, yeah, I would imagine you in, in the collective, you know, present your, your best case, I guess, for supporting whatever it is and then, and then just leave it up to people to make the, make the decision on where they want their money to go. It, it really is a very difficult, um, challenging environment right now. Yeah. It's, I, I really enjoy my work and I, I thoroughly enjoy being part of the Auburn community, but this is the reality we're living in now. And if a person says to me personally, hey John, I can give to this facility or I can give to this collective, what, what do you want me to do? I, I'm certainly not somebody who's going to tell people how to spend their resources, but it, it's really a strange place to be in when you're an administrator or a coach or even a student athlete at this point. Um, so baseball a little bit, Butch Thompson. You know baseball landscape, especially in the SEC, um, and especially at, at Auburn in terms of not having the state lottery and things that go into that. How would you describe what, Baruch, what Butch has done the last three, four, five years in building this program, going to Omaha twice now, um, considering how every school's a little bit different in terms of how they can recruit and things like that. How, how would you describe to somebody that doesn't know all of those ins and outs about the job he's doing at Auburn right now with Auburn Baseball? I, I think Butch has done one of the great coaching jobs, not only in the SEC, but around the country. And I, I don't think he gets near enough credit. Um, the things you just mentioned, yeah, when, when you're in an equivalency sport, which is what baseball is, and you don't really have a ton of outside scholarship aid to help you, and you're bound by that 11.7 marker. Um, Alabama is one of those states that, that, and I would say this about the University of Alabama and Auburn, there's not a ton of scholarship aid available to add on to that 11.7. When you talk about the state of Louisiana with the TOPS program, there's additional scholarship aid going to the kids in the state of Louisiana. Um, you, you have the Hope Scholarship in Georgia giving additional scholarship aid to the kids in Georgia in equivalency sports. Bright futures in the state of Florida. I mean, you're just surrounded by states who have additional scholarship aid. Um, I, I know that, that Mississippi State and I know that Ole Miss offer nice scholarship packages to, to deserving students uh, coming into the state of Mississippi. Just not, there's just not as much. And one of the reasons for that is there's just such an incredible amount of interest in uh, applicants to our institutions. Uh, in the state of Alabama. So I, I think it's, it, it, when you're a baseball coach in the state, it's, it's, it's just more difficult. Um, Vanderbilt has some, some built-in opportunities for student athletes as, as well. Um, so 
I, what Butch has done here is quite remarkable. Um, we're going to do some things with this facility that, that I think are going to really help. Um, and, I, and I think that uh, I think that student athletes in the sport of baseball are going to have some name, image, and likeness opportunities at Auburn as well. Have those um, renovations to the baseball playing sport, are those approved in terms of whether it's right field seating or above the green monster, are those things approved yet or still in discussion? We, we, we have not put everything to, together yet, okay. but I, I feel very comfortable in saying that we're going to be able to make some, some nice additions to really the bones of a stadium that I think is very nice. You know, Coach Baird and the thought process behind Plainsman Park when it was put together, I believe in the late 90s, really good thoughts. The, even to this day, I think the design was so solid. But it's been many, many, many years later, and, and we have to up our game a little bit. We, we have to make that into a more modern SEC caliber venue. Uh, last question would be, and, and this is something maybe you haven't gotten super deep into, but, but we get, as fans, this is, a, this is a popular question recently, and that's the contract with Under Armour. I think it's got maybe a year or two left. Um, where does that stand, and is there serious conversations and thought behind when that's up? maybe trying to go to Nike or Adidas. I mean, what's your thought process behind the apparel contract with Under Armour and where that might go a year or two from now? You know, we're going to get a great deal of input from uh, our student athletes, from our support staff, from our coaches, um, and it'll be an administrative decision. We, we will look at every opportunity that we, we have. Nothing will be taken off the table because Auburn deserves the best. And we're going to establish whatever we feel like is best for Auburn. And we will go with that, but it won't—it won't be again. We won't roll out of bed and say, "Hey, how about that?" We—we're we, going to do a thorough study, and we're going to again do what's best for all the university.